There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Nebraska Preps post game with Damon Benning and Jacob Padilla. I know everybody always jokes. They think I'm not being serious when I say it's probably more exciting for me than it is for him. Uh, I always enjoy talking to Jacob Padilla, primarily because he's maybe one of a handful of people that nobody ever says anything bad about. <laughs> so I know I'm probably keeping pretty good company because it's certainly not me, man. Welcome into another week of Nebraska Preps post game. I'm sure Jacob's like, God, I don't even know why you like me. There's not <laughs> not a whole lot to me, DB. I just, I just try to be authentic and let the chips fall where they may. But, Jacob, that's plenty good enough, man. Welcome. How are you? Uh, uh, well, th- thank you for the kind words. Always, uh, and, and I man, appreciate always. you not mentioning football. So it's just—it's all basketball. <laughs> basketball season. I got my sun shirt on. Hey, Let's you go. Know, you know what? I actually feel for you because I'm one of the rare non-Packer fans that actually likes Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I would take him of any starting quarterback in the league not named Patrick Mahomes right now, and I wouldn't look back. So— I'm with you on the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. It's just just so frustrating because I, I just don't understand a guy as smart as he is. It, it really did seem like that came down to him locking in on Adams and missing open guys time and time again, which it, like he's fallen into that trap. Devontae is obviously really, really, really good, but there, there just got to be a way to score more than 10 points in that game. There, I, this may be an unfair question because of your age, and, and maybe this is like the Hayden Fry, Kirk Ferentz discussion. Is it Rodgers or Bust, or did you did you develop an affinity for Favre, even though you didn't watch him near as closely as you have Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, um, definitely. Like I caught the tail end of Favre, and kind of that last uh, year um, when they, they were, were awesome. Um that that kind of really because I actually started following them a little bit when they weren't weren't good because um, my friend was a Packers fan so I just started watching with him and then I kind of adopted them as my team as well um, so I, I I didn't get to see the the far Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff but um, I and I enjoyed him for sure um, but it's kind of seeing Rodgers and the the way he elevated the way playing the game like the decision making um, it, it was. He's just been so much fun to watch, and it's just frustrating to see this team go out the way that it did. Is there a comparison? And in the NBA, it's different because, um, you know, after that second contract comes around, it's a crapshoot, and Nash has spent time with multiple teams, as has CP3, but is there a Favre-Rogers-Nash-CP3 <laughs> analogy in there for you for your favorite teams? Uh Probably, and that's kind of uh, explains why I like the way I do. Obviously, living in Nebraska, this is a run-the-ball state, but I like watching people pass the ball. <laughs> I like watching good quarterback play. It's funny, yeah. too, how so off the pod, when we talk hoops, we always talk, it, you always gravitate towards chemistry and sharing. Yeah. But it fits your personality, though, because that's why people think you're so good-natured. 
Yeah. Right. It, it's it's just fun to watch, like the ball move around and just great passes and like anybody can, can go and hit a step back jumper and yeah, that that's cool or whatever. But um, I mean, there's just that, that's what basketball is supposed to be like: great ball movement, uh, making plays for others. Uh, th- that's just what I like watching the most. And like you said, that's kind of the type of players I gravitate towards. And it is largely because Steve Nash was a guy that I grew up, uh, kind of fell in love with basketball uh, through watching him. Mm. All right, so here we go, man. I, I felt like it was a very interesting week, and we get a couple of big matchups this week uh, and multi-class, which we'll talk about in a second. But let's start in Class B, right? Kind of have to, right? It's, I mean, it is the story, uh, I think, because one team is really asserting their dominance. Everybody else is kind of chasing the pack. Let's start with Omaha Scott. Yeah. Uh, you called your shot a week ago. You were kind of, there was a little foreshadowing. Roncalli didn't get it done in their place, which is arguably the best environment in high school basketball going right now with the gym capacity and how fervent that fan base is. And Scott was a little shorthanded. Roncalli comes up short the first time around. Now... <laughs> All they, all bets are off with Scott now. Yeah. Uh, River City Conference Champs last week, they they handled South Sioux City 75-37, and then uh, it's kind of workmanlike, 57-43 went over on Colley. Uh, the Crimson Pride couldn't find a way to kind of take them to the wire this time. Uh, Scott was in control pretty much throughout that game from what I saw, and here they are, 13-0, and uh, and they've – They've beaten number two in Class B twice already. One of them close, one of them not so much. Um, so it kind of leaves you with, well, who is going to beat these guys? And the the big one coming up is Tuesday uh, at home against Lincoln Pius the tenth, and so you get kind of little cross B, uh, Class B, Cross A, or Class A kind of crossover game there. And man, it, if Scott wins that game, I, I was talking about this before the bot, but who's going to beat them? And it's weird, too, because you talk about matchups. And and Pius is the only team like them in Class A, much like Scut is the only team like them in Class B. They can go 6'6", six, 6'5", six, 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 and be comfortable playing that way. Pius' size, unique to them, especially in Class A. Will anything give, or are you all about the matchups and looking for something different to kind of reign supreme other than just the sheer size? Yeah, that'll definitely be fun to watch, just kind of how the, the matchups play out. Um, and Scott's obviously got, got the size, and Jake Brack and Nate Zorowski starting there, and they've got some size off the bench as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how the defensive matchups work out, like who who guards Sam Hostrider, who guards Jack Hostrider. Uh, Jack just had a, a good game last week, uh, scored 21 in their last game. Kind of um, defies what we talked about the week of in terms of how that offense should run yeah. and who it should run through. But, hey, was it, we'll see if it's an anomaly or something that's portable. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to them for sure. Uh, obviously, again, this is a big game. I'm planning to be there with kind of the Nebraska game getting scheduled. Kind of Unfortunately, it took me out of the big one uh, on Thursday, but did free me up to, to go see this one on Tuesday. So, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Again, I mean, if, if, if Scott gets by Pius on Tuesday, looking at Bennington on uh February 1st, Potentially, and then yeah. after that, I mean, I, I I don't know who else. Like, if they get past those two, then we're looking at, I mean, again, 
who beats them in, in Class B. Yeah. Obviously, when things get to the state tournament, you, you never know. Um, but uh, it's they, they clearly have established themselves by far as the best team in the class, and it's going to take an incredible effort for anybody to knock them off, I think. Yeah, one of our, our peers in the business that likes high school basketball almost as much as we do, uh, Mike Sauter sent me a, a tweet in-game the other day, and he, he affectionately said, Our Jake. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, well, I'm not going to claim somebody else that has a family of their own. <laughs> it's not my Jake or your Jake, but it, it is nice to see that I think the rest of the basketball world, especially at the high school level, is being introduced to to how well he's playing for Omaha Scott. Oh, and they needed it too with, with Mitch Scholl getting doing hurt. a little bit yeah. of everything. First first day of practice of the season, Mitch Scholl goes down with a knee injury, and they needed Jake because uh, Mitch last year Mitch was a key piece for them coming off the bench. Like he was ahead of Jake in terms of production and uh, the role he played for Scott. And Jake obviously had the tools, and now he's starting to uh, kept growing, kept getting stronger. Uh, and starting to round out his game now and has been a big piece for them. And obviously, the, the seniors, James Ninifu, um, ha, has really, I think, taken a, a big step as a senior this year, now kind of taken over as the leader in that backcourt. And Grant Dvorak is tough, um, tough versatile player on the wing as well. So they, and then JJ uh, Farron's one of the better shooters in Class B. So yes, he is. Just really well rounded team. It's a, it doesn't seem like a, 170 pounds does does JJ right it's like he looks kind of slight and kind of oh by the way and then all of a sudden you take a couple of breaths and it's like up oh, that's a bucket up oh, that's another bucket yep feel like we better touch this guy get close right like for kind of how they play defense first they do have a little sneaky light switch offensive running out of the gym component. They get a couple of stops in a row, then they score, get a couple of stops in a row, they score, and all of a sudden you're down eight and you wonder what happened. Yeah, exactly right. That's uh, You really got to hang in there with them because they, they will make you pay for a mistake, a turnover, or um, go in there and get a shot blocked and they get run outs. And, again, Ninifu is really good in the open court. Um, so the, the, they're, they're going to be tough to beat, um, I, I think, we probably uh, before going any further, we probably need to mention the the single best performance in Class B last week. Yeah, it'd uh, be hard to top double nickel from Connor Milken. Obviously, we know, everybody know who listened to us knows what, what Connor Milken can and does do for that team. But just fifty five points on twenty of twenty seven from the field, only three of seven from three, and, and twelve of thirteen from the free throw line with thirteen rebounds and six assists. 55 points and six assists. Uh, is, so is the six assist more impressive than only 27 shots? And only only three threes as part of the 55, too. It's not like he just got hot. He just kept going. So obviously, I spent a lot of time watching him online. And you know what I think kind of an underappreciated thing is? His team, they really like him. A lot of times when there's a guy that gets all the attention and his, you know, his critics would label him kind of a volume guy, he is extremely well received by his teammates, which lets me know he's every bit the young man that I think he is. And, yeah, I maybe lack a little objectivity just because I've I've coached him. I've known him since he's been a uh, just a little guy. The families are extremely close, but – 
he's well liked, and I there's I just think there's something to that when you can be the guy and your teammates embrace you being the guy. It's hard for kids this age and this generation to say, okay, hey, we acknowledge who and what you are. And I think part of that is the the way that Connor plays his role and how hard he plays. He he's not play. a guy that's sitting back there and resting on defense and just taking every shot. Which he's embraced this yeah. year, right? Like he has really evolved into I gotta guard the best player too. And he crashes the glass every single game, like double digit games or double digit rebounds almost every game. And just incredible that that game just kind of look at the box score. They scored ninety three points against Nebraska City. He had so either scored or assisted on twenty six of their thirty six field goals and was the only one that attempted a free throw. <laughs> I, I just that that's one of the best performances I think we'll see all season and for a long time. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I for sure don't think you'll see that replicated again. And you have to go back some days until you see that kind of sheer efficiency on the offensive end while building up those kinds of numbers. You just, you just don't see it very often. And then they followed that up with that fifty-eight forty-eight win against Harlan in the Nebraska Prep Classic. Over and there they needed Soble. to get right. Yeah. I, I feel like. They need a little confidence. Um, class B is really starting to sort itself out. I mean, depending on if 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 Scud is at the top, however you parse through Beatrice, Roncalli, and Bennington, who I think will all kind of say something about it before it's over. And listen, Scott's bluff is like, hey, I know you guys don't understand our level of opponents or who we're playing in state versus out of state. Here we are, kind of building up a gaudy record, and Waverly's like, hey careful you probably don't want to play us either so if it's scut and everybody else two through seven i don't know i guess figure it out exactly right and we, we talked about how waverly had started to kind of put things together last week and then they go and lose to bennington on monday and then follow that up with a, a loss to wahoo those are both very good teams but that now waverly's back down at 10 and 5 so like there's just no I mean, like you said, that two through seven, Beatrice is kind of just hanging on there. Uh, two wins last week against Hastings and Ralston. Sitting there at 10-2. and two. Uh, Ron Colley, uh right there, 9-4 and four after the, the loss to Scott. Bennington, I think we've talked about them, how, how much they've improved recently in uh, a 3-0 week last week. And they continue to get it done with their depth. I mean, they've got so many different guys that can score uh, in any given game. And they got wins over Waverly, Nebraska City Lords, and Norris. So... Um, those are three good wins for them, and they're, they're sitting there at 12-3. and three. And then you mentioned Scott's Bluff, and they they, they handled Gehring last week, so uh, improved to 13-4. and four. And they've got two more Nebraska teams with Alliance and Sydney coming up this week. Um, so that is really tough. And we mentioned Platteview, who's kind of hanging down there at number seven because of some of the losses they took. But, uh, again, coming off a really impressive week, and they've got their conference tournament this week as well. How surprised are you at this juncture on January, whatever it is, 24th or 25th today, 24th, that there's only two undefeated teams in all of high school basketball? That's crazy. And uh, obviously we talked about Scott and the other would be Humphrey, Lindsay, Holy Family down in C2 moving up. Not only that, that they're undefeated one of the last two, it's that they moved up a class and continued to run through yeah. uh, their competition. I was there uh, on Tuesday. Which is why I wanted to yeah. talk about it, because you saw firsthand something had to give there, and they proved to be every bit as good as their record. Yeah, and the, the interesting dynamic about Humphrey this year is 
So Jason Suits has been the guy for three years. Thousand point score. Um, he's been their leading scorer since he was a freshman. This year, Jacob, who is actually going to play baseball, baseball in college, has kind of emerged, and they've been running their offense through him. And he's he's been their leading scorer, leading rebounder, really good passer. They've been running their stuff through him, and I think Jacob's been just fine. He can uh, kind of take a slight step back with the way that, uh, or Jason has uh, been content to take a slight step back with the way that Jacob's been playing. Because obviously it's working right now. So, fifteen and zero at Jacob had twenty points, uh, eleven boards, three assists, two steals, and two blocks against Howells Dodge. It was a forty-seven forty-five win at Howells on Tuesday. Really good game, right down to the stretch. It, it was offense was tough to come by, uh, but they found a way to make the plays down down the stretch to to pull it out. Yeah, surprised, not surprised. Uh, you talk about environments where that environment ranks with Ron Colley. You saw another good one at Westside and and prep, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit when we talk to cl- when we talk about class A. Where has been the the most electric environment that you've been to thus far? Yeah, it, it's definitely either Westside prep or that Ron Colley Scott game. Um, man, that that Ron Colley Scott game, like the, the noise in that place when <laughs> they were going like down the stretch right at, on at top the, of you at the it? free throw line, like it, the gym was shaking, like they were jumping up and down, pounding the bleachers. Um, the, the, the student section was leaning it and then the, the parents and fans were kind of joining in again, that place was absolutely rocking down the last 60 seconds or so of that game. Uh, in Scott Westside, man, they, the student sections were full of the top by halftime of the JV game. If not before, I think, uh, at a security officer told us they, they had to turn away like 200 kids cause they ran out of uh, space for them. Yeah. I thought your tweet was hilarious. If you're not here right now, don't. Bobby yeah. coming. <laughs> and that was during the fourth quarter of the JV game. Like, uh, it, it was, the place was absolutely packed. You had people kind of wandering in. And I know uh, Sharif Mitchell and uh, a couple of his t- crazy yeah, teammates slid in behind us. Our athletic the, director went to go get them because they were kind of stuck yeah. and couldn't get in. And it's like, uh, yeah. you don't get these guys at a game very often. Yeah. Can we? Is there anything we can do to get these guys in? Um, you know, so you get you get some Blue Jays in the house, and and that one didn't disappoint. We'll get to that before we move on to Class A. No surprise, if you listen to this podcast, the one class that we said would be the we felt like before we even started the basketball podcast this year, we said look out for C one. C one will be highly highly competitive. And don't blink, you have six teams, Jacob, with two losses or less. Yeah. You got Wayne and Auburn obviously sitting there at 13-2. and two, But how about this run? Concordia, who we said coming off maybe being a little ahead of schedule last year, uh, at 13-1. and one. Wahoo, we had them in our top two at 13-1. and one. Carney Catholic at 16-1. and one. And there's Ashlyn Greenwood at... 11 and one. Yeah. Four teams with four losses between them sitting atop class C one. And you look at kind of the NEB preps coaches poll at zero change one through 10. Everybody's rock solid. Everybody took care of business last week. 
Uh, and then you even go like Milford at, at seven is twelve and three and is really good team. Ogallala thirteen and three. I actually like Ogallala because yeah. they're gonna have some dog in them. Yeah, they, uh, got, they, a heck, they, they heck got, got a point guard, they, and they got a coach who's pretty no nonsense. So that that's just gonna come with the territory. Fort Calhoun eleven and three, and they they handed uh, Concordia their only loss. Uh, O'Neill down at, at 10 with Landon Klassen kind of leading that uh, sophomore. Drew Morrow has been having a great season, really shooting the ball well. So, like, that is an incredible top 10. And you keep going, you go even deeper. Like, you've got D.C. West and Central City both uh, receiving votes, and those are quality teams too. So, like, Class C1 is phenomenal, and, and it is deeper than any other class at this point. Yeah, it's interesting. You bring up Ogallagala. Ogallala, excuse me. I've known Andy Gillen since I've been in college. Uh, I met him, Charlie, his dad, and every. Oh, you know, he's he's like the villain, right? If you're not with Ogallala, it's the guy that that draws everybody's ire. And I'm just thinking, one thing you're going to get with a coach Gillen, coach group out there in Ogallala, they're going to play hard, and they it's like Tom Petty, right? Won't back down. He's really good at establishing that us against the world that's mentality. His, that's and, his thing, man. Yeah. He's been like that from since I've known him, and hasn't gotten off of yeah. it since. Every game with a chip on their shoulder, for sure. Uh, let's let's hop over to Class A. You know, because I want to ask you something here, uh, and you can use any of the classes, because I think the team that I will that I'm going to tell you about, and it's and it's pretty objective. I'm going to ask you about upside. We're halfway through the season. Uh, it's starting to really sort itself out. What team out there do you think has the most room for growth based on where they are currently? That's a good question. Um, It probably has to be either Millard North or Bellevue West, uh, just in terms of, the players they have in the roles that they have. Obviously, Westside's got some young guys too, but that thing is on, like, they got that thing locked in. The rotations are on point. Like, you got those young guys coming off the bench in uh, waves and just tearing apart bench units. You've got the seniors that are kind of holding down, seniors and juniors that are holding down that starting lineup. Whereas uh, Bellevue West and Miller North, they both have kind of their core of upperclassmen. But I think they're relying on those young guys a little bit more than Westside is at this point. Could I convince you if you're talking upside? And maybe you, you could get me on room for growth because Westside is playing so well. My question to you would be, could I talk you into it being either Westside or Bellevue West? Coach Simons has a ton of options, right? I mean, if he doesn't like the way a couple of starters are playing, he has the luxury of going to some consistency you saw it the other night against Prep. He didn't like the start that Chandler Meeks got off to. He sat for an, a, an extremely long time, even with the two fouls. Um, he rode the hot hand of Reggie Thomas, who hadn't been as efficient as he was against Prep. Bellevue West is interesting because they play so many guys, and now they have the addition of Jacob Arope. I think it's between – listen, I'm not going to thumb my nose at Miller North because – I think you're on to something there, especially if that backcourt gets it going. Right, Harmon kind of showed out the other night without getting a lot of help from Jason Green, and it's like, whoa. They can pull that off without the lead dog being the lead dog. I don't know how much they want to make a living trying to do that, but I do like – I, I definitely think they're in the discussion, though, in terms of upside. Or how about Omaha Scott, who hasn't been healthy? 
in terms of growth. That, that's true. Like if if, if Scholl, I I don't know kind of what the timetable is like for him. Um, if he gets back, like the, that, <laughs> right. man, that that adds another really good player to the mix, and not only a good player, but more player with size that is really tough for Class B teams to match up with. But how about Pius if they want to figure out who and how they want to play through? I I, I think. They obviously can play better, and I think they have uh, over the last week. They they played a little bit better, and obviously the big one on Tuesday. I, I think for the most part, those players are who they are. Though basically everybody in the rotation is an upperclassman except for Trace and Anderson. Yeah. Um. So I, I feel like this season, like those guys are, they could play slightly better, change, tweak some things about uh, their approach. But in terms of looking at upside, I'm looking at young players improving and stepping into bigger roles. And that's kind of why I gravitate. You mentioned Miller North um, with uh, Isaiah McMorris came alive, had had a big game uh, last week. Eli Gaith has been playing a little bit better. He's been double digits more than often than not. It, it, How about McMorris going nine and nine from the field yeah. the other day? 24 points. Listen, a couple they, of days. They get any consistency in the backcourt, and all of a sudden they become extremely dangerous. And that's why I point to them because I feel like if those guys take a leap, there's more opportunity with some of the way. Um, because they need a obviously David Harmon and Jason Green, they need a them. consistent third score, they need a third and they need a fourth. And if Neil Mosser, if Eli Gaith, if Isaiah McMorris, those are kind of the three guys. Uh, with the way we've seen Jackson Page kind of um, hasn't really put up big numbers this year. If they can get a little bit more out of any of those guys, whereas I feel like as well as Caleb uh, Benning, obviously, uh, C.J. Mitchell, even if those guys continue to progress, you kind of got those seniors that that are already playing less minutes than they did previously in their career. So I feel like there's kind of, uh, there's not necessarily as much room for a bigger role for those guys at this point. Whereas Miller North uh, needs kind of those guys to emerge a little bit, so that's kind of why I include them. I like, in the I mix. like that. Well, so um, what if I ask? What if I look at it a different way? Who, who, in your opinion, if you're looking at at Westside, Bellevue West, and Miller North, and I'm going to talk about Central here in a second. Who has the most versatility, in your opinion, in terms of ways that they can get you? And does that enter into your thought process when you talk about upside? It. It's probably West Side. Um, I'm inclined to agree with the combination of the way that they can really pressure you on defense and get out in the open court. In addition to a guy like Tate Advati as a, a matchup nightmare, where um, Prep wa- watching that game, they they didn't really have a matchup for him. They they put Joey Rishel on him, uh, who's a tough kid, but Tate first uh, touch he got just caught in the post, muscled through and went up and finished. Like he's his ability to finish inside uh, with his strength and continuing to get uh, bigger and stronger. And then he's you knocking under, down the shot. You understand what I'm kind of saying now that you've seen him firsthand? His, and I'm not going to label him as a below-the-rim player, but for the way he plays, he's about as crafty yeah. around the 10 with his versatility as anybody that I've seen is kind of a tweener in terms of size. And his understanding of how to get his shots within this office, offense is so much greater than last year, and that's led to uh, his huge spike in efficiency. And, like, you look at what he's 17 a game right now on, like, ridiculous shooting splits. Well, he's 9 of 10 the other night. Yeah. <laughs> and he had uh, he didn't miss in the first half. He had 20 by halftime and didn't even need to play in the second half, really, because they already had control of that game. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. You watch their offensive efficiency, and I was looking at it today, and 
uh, this morning. You know, if you look at two-point field goal percentage, they have seven guys, nine guys, nine, <laughs> shooting 50% or greater from two-point. Like, you're just not going to see that very often. Pretty good at the high school level. <laughs> right. And, and they, some of those guys are shooting 60. <laughs> yeah, and it, you, you take a look at them from the, the three-point line, whether it's, you know, Oddbody shooting 44% from three. Uh, C.J. Mitchell shooting 37% from three. Charlie Davis shooting 47% from three. Caleb Benning shooting 56% from three. And all of the aforementioned, I didn't even get to Peyton Gillespie. Who's shooting thirty seven percent from three? Now he shot he shot the most thirty seven percent on that vo- that volume is pretty good too. Their ability to yeah. score the ball in a variety of ways is, and then you've got the three guards uh, in the starting lineup. Let alone bringing those young guys off the bench, but uh, obviously Chandler, Reggie, and Tate can all get downhill. So you got three point shooting, you got drivers, you got a guy um, that can take advantage of smaller defenders in the post. Um, so they, they don't necessarily have a dominant uh, back to the back uh, back to the basket center where Logan Wilson's more of a kind of a stretch guy uh, spaces the floor, but and Tate does give them that op- option if he has the right matchups. And what's you know what's funny, and I've and I've said this to Logan, all those other guys can play well, <clears throat> excuse me, and and they may not win. If Logan plays well, they're not losing. <laughs> like I feel comfortable in saying that when he's on and by that I mean he's kind of it's just too much right you, when he plays well it's like oh boy you're not shutting down everybody else <laughs> so just to demonstrate how well that west side is playing right now last week they outscored their opponents two games uh the Vista and prep so, obviously, a top-five team, and then Papillion Vista's got some pieces. Uh, 168 to 84. They doubled up their opponents last week, yeah. and they did it while shooting over 60% from the field, knocking down 21 threes, and uh, they had 31 assists to nine turnovers. And they held both teams to 37% shooting. Okay, so that's the thing right there. The last part, you and I talked about this after the Prep West Side game, and I said, you know, Prep had a hard time. We knew Prep was going to have a hard time scoring. You said, listen, th- those guards, that backcourt's ability to push you out and pressure you is just disruptive. They did it to Bellevue West. They made Josiah Dotzler work like crazy. They did it to Miller North when they pushed out to the lead late, which the score got out of hand, right? It, that game was closer for three and a half quarters than – than the final at the Metro Holiday Tournaments. And Miller Norris, the only team that can say, hey, listen, we split with them. When you look at the upside, let's talk Bellevue West and Miller North. Who has the most room for growth in terms of matching up with what you think West Side does well? Who? That's a good one. So, hmm. I have an opinion. Could I, could I convince you that it's, even though I think West Side would probably prefer to play Bellevue West over Miller North just because Miller North has some physical. Listen, Harmon and Green, those guys, I think West Side would probably pick Bellevue West, but in terms of who they wanted to play. But Bellevue West has the most versatility in that same vein. 
Yeah, I, I think it would probably be Miller North tougher matchup just Ooh, because we differ there because of Jason Green. Well, and, and I think and I think Westside would say Miller North is the tougher matchup. Yeah, and so we saw what Jason Green did to them, obviously. And you mentioned so they're not there yet, but I feel like there's just a little bit more off the juice, uh, off the dribble juice with Miller North's young guys. Um, if they if they can obviously Westside defended David Harmon really well. West has such good potential though they, they do but you mentioned kind of the way like most of their wings they don't have a lot of guys that are, are going to make plays yeah off the get downhill outside of just oh i get yeah that's so a that's good point I'm, that's a good point i feel like that ball pressure we saw it against bellevue west you took you can't just stand around and those, shoot yeah exactly. you have to be able to get downhill exactly so that's kind of the combination of jason green and maybe obviously they're not there yet but they've got the potential to be if some of those those guys can give them a little bit more off the bounce then i think that's where you kind of see um just a little bit more versatility there in the way to attack uh, 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 Westside's defense a little bit more. But, I mean, I, I'd, <laughs> I'd love to uh, just watch uh, round-robin series between these three teams going back and forth because they are all very, very good. So is, is Central the most dangerous or good on Lincoln Northeast for establishing their dominance amongst the round-robin of the Lincoln teams? Yes, Central, obviously, we saw them on Tuesday. They uh, went to uh, Miller North and, and gave them a fight. Uh, 53-48 win for yeah, Miller North. Ugly, ugly, ugly basketball game. Yeah, <laughs> Jason Green uh, kept them quiet. 11 points, although eight boards, four assists, four blocks. So <laughs> kind of stuff in the stat sheet still. But David Harmon, again, stepping up. 24 points, 11-15 from the field. We saw last week he shot the ball at a 50% rate from three, I think, overall. Uh, maybe even a little bit better than that. And that's what we were talking about last week, where kind of wondering about the three-point shooting, and he had struggled and finally got some shots to fall. Uh, had a really good week last week. But um, Central, it kind of falls back into the th- same thing we're talking about. Uh, Patrick, da- uh, P.J. Davis, and Jay Dawson combined 36 points on 15 of 38 shooting. Mm-hmm. The rest of the team had 12 points on 5 of 11. Again, probably one of only two guys that can get to any spot on the floor in the Metro. It is Jay Dawson and Josiah Dotzler. Yeah, and so if... If PJ and Jay aren't going to be, we know the volume is going to be there. They're just, at this point, I don't think you can expect a lot of scoring from anybody else based on the way they play. What do you think's happening in their backcourt with like DeAndre Brody and uh, like either the doghouse or something? They're starting to tinker with some new lineups and a little more versatility in the backcourt. Yeah. Um, I think they've kind of shifted more to putting the ball in Jay's hands as kind of the primary, uh, the ball handler, um, getting PJ on the wing. Because you saw the Central Lincoln East game, right? Yeah. And, I mean, he barely played. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, yeah, he was kind of out of the rotation. They starred uh, a Whit Mamer uh, on the wing. Um, Guy, I'm very, very familiar with. So I'm seeing him play since he was in the fourth, fifth grade. Another one of those T and E guys. And Kia Paljor, uh, like jumped in in the starting lineup. They they brought Raheem Briggs off the bench. Like so, they're still kind of touring with some different lineups. They've got they got to find something clicking with that supporting cast. But cent- obviously it's they are at this point. They're going to go as far as Dawson and Davis take them. If they're efficient in any given game, they've got as good a chance to outscore her, uh, the other team between themselves as any duo in the state. It's but, weird, right? Because I think they're the only team in the Metro that has two guys capable of getting you sixty on any given night. Like it wouldn't surprise me if you see those two go thirty and thirty. Like they're capable, right? Yeah. I mean, is anybody and, else? And gonna, is anybody else really shots. doing that? I, I don't think anybody else is getting that. Uh, that, that amount of the shots either. Um, you've uh, got a little bit more balance everywhere else. So the combination of the talent and the opportunity with the way the team is playing right now. Um, so that's 
I mean, those guys can win you any game, and they can lose it to you too if the shots aren't falling. And we know both of them will, will take some tough shots at times. So that's kind of what Central is right now. I think um, they're clearly in that in that four or five mix. Um, they, they've established themselves there, um, but they still need a little bit more to, to crack into that top three. You mentioned Lincoln Northeast. I was there, and they went and won at Lincoln Southwest. Beat them for the second time this season. Dog fight, but again, Northeast just finds a way to pull out close games late. More uh, options. Xander Beard. I, I, Xander Beard is a guy that I thought I thought he. We haven't said court. his yeah. name in three, four weeks. Yeah, I thought and he, here he is as the difference maker this late in the season. Yeah, I thought he'd be their leading scorer coming in the season. That's been Christian Win, uh, but Xander, twenty-one points, really efficient game, ten of eleven from the free throw line, three different and ones in that game, knocked down a big three. Um, so that's kind of. They're thirteen and two now, um, and uh, they've got Grand Island and Elkhorn South. So um, it's a, another good week to kind of show that hey, they they belong in that number five spot. They they belong in the mix for that number four spot. Um, they're definitely clearly established themselves as the best. They're seven one in Lincoln against Lincoln teams right now. Yeah, don't look now, but we and we've talked about them since they beat Bellevue West. Uh, Gretna's won five in a row. Oh, well, no, they... Uh, Six in a row, right? Well, no, they dropped the... They, they lost to Papio South. Oh, that's right. That's the Papio right. South is 54-51. Yeah. At the tail end, I forgot I forgot all about yeah. that over the weekend on Saturday night. Papio South pull, getting to nine and five got Omaha Gretna to kind of... I say Omaha yeah. Gretna. <laughs> getting Gretna to kind of quell the run. I was getting ready to say... Which team would you least like to play? And I was going to put Gretna in the bunch, and you may still feel that way. But outside the top four, which team would you least like to play if you're one of those A1 through A4 potential seeds? Yeah, that's that's tough. Gretna, we talked about this was a big week to kind of distance themselves from the rest of the back end of the top five. And they pull out the 65-61 double overtime win against Elkhorn South. I think they ran out of gas, but... And then, yeah, like if that's because they had to, they had to win the fourth quarter twenty three fourteen to get that thing to overtime, just to get it there. Uh, and then uh, they won in the second overtime, but fifty one fifty four lost to, to Papio South, um, kind of one step forward, one step back. Uh, that game we talked about Papio South, their freshman uh, Daniel Brocale had six points, did not make a shot, did not have an assist in that game, and Papio South won. Yeah. I don't know how often the, that's going to happen. Well, the slow start, I think Gretna only scored 11 points in the first quarter, yeah. which ultimately was their undoing uh, in that one, kind of playing catch up the rest of the it way. It was freshman Bryson Ball uh, led the way with 16 points. Reese Kircher added 10. We talked about those how guys. How about those, Good upside. The, young, the young pups? Um, so, I I mean, Prep uh, fell to number seven after th- that loss to Westside. Um, they they kind of took care of business against uh, the other teams they played last week. They, they, I think at this point – with the injuries, they just got so many guys. I that still think lost. it's his best coaching performance to date. I mean, to have yeah. eleven wins out of that team right now is, I think, fantastic. Yep. And, and one more note before we go, obviously, you hear the music going on right now. Uh, we need to mention Quinn Johnson from Loomis breaking the state th- oh, career three point record. Loomis, go, he went into the Alma game on Thursday needing seven to break Brady Delmont's record. He hit ten in the first half. Finished 12 of 17 from three um, for, for 39 points. Um, and he has got a half a season left to keep adding to that record. I think that one's going to stand for a long time. He's just a phenomenal shooter. Aren't many guys that can get off the, the volume and efficiency that he has. It doesn't matter what has, class has, he's playing. Has surpassed Michelle Patterson, who is now Michelle Kluver, 
who has a fantastic son as a golfer as Loomis's most popular athlete <laughs> in the last 25 years. That's <laughs> that's my main man. Incredible pull. <laughs> hey, listen, you won't get that kind of range anywhere else on a podcast in the state of Nebraska. That's Jacob Padilla. I'm ODB. We'll be back next week with Nebraska Preps Postgame. Hoda Media Production.